This podcast is brought to you by Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking 10 to 12 Advil every day just to get through my workday, not to mention the stuff I was doing at night like alcohol and other substances. I suffered from chronic pain due to car accidents, sports injury, and repetitive motion damage from being a drywaller. I had worked in the trades for nearly 20 years and had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones. I had some severe sports-related injuries. Most of my cryo SI would only give me temporary relief from day-to-day pain. It was getting expensive and depressing to see the other doctors knowing that I would be right back into the same boat the next morning. I was lucky that the last chiropractor I saw said that she cannot help me anymore and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months and I was almost completely off the pills and life was getting better. I have known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years and referred almost everyone I know to him and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patients' care and use a variety of techniques to help their patients achieve their goals of pain relief or injury resolution to improve sports performance. Calgary is privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.ayhcalgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye from Nye's Touch and Nye's Tats. There's some debate over who invented the first motorbike. Several men claim to have the first designer patent. Regardless who it was, my guess is that the very next year, some dude started customizing his newly invented contraption. Throughout history, men and women have been altering their transportation to move faster, turn sharper, or turn ahead or two. If you are customizing your ride to be low and slow, shiny and fast, loud and obnoxious, You have not completed the project until you have your custom paint job done. Paul Nye at Nye's Touch is your guy for custom paint on bikes, boats, cars, buses, or anything else you ride. You want a bike that looks like no one else? Nice Touch. You want to honor a fallen friend with the hood of your car? Nice Touch. You want a mural of your favorite girl on the side of a bus? You guessed it. Nice Touch. Paul has been airbrushing for more than 15 years and his work will take your breath away. Check out his work on Instagram at Dripping Chrome or on Facebook at Nice Touch or call him at 587-435-4602 for your free estimate. Don't forget, Paul will be in a tattoo studio near me soon. And now, on with the show. No podcast with Chad Ferguson. Hey, everybody, this is Chad with the I Want to Know podcast. 
a kick-ass podcast. Uh, we're here today with a new friend, Kurt Killen. How's it going, buddy? It's going good. How are you guys doing out here in Airdrie? I am doing excellent. I, uh, you're the second podcast this week, and I'm glad I'm filling up the spots again. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're becoming quite popular. We, uh, <laughs> we're, we're starting to work down that path. Yeah. We missed a couple this summer being on vacation and uh, uh, missing a few guests, so I, I'm glad it is filling up, and I'm glad my days are full. Good. good. So we talked a little bit. Did we meet through Shapper? How did we actually? Yeah, is it? Yeah, Shapper or Shaper? Yeah, Shaper. I, 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 uh, I couldn't believe that uh, all the great connections that can come off of that. But uh, um, I saw you, and you saw me, and then uh, I said, uh, "You invited me to try a podcast." But I was this was like so far back that I've been working on some stuff, and now we're ready. We're ready. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The um, I, I actually it was so far back I forgot because you had emailed me and I'm like I'm drawing a complete <laughs> blank. I haven't got a clue. But I messaged like I said I'm a, a stalker type horde person online. I just go after everybody in yeah. Calgary and <laughs> well, the surrounding area. So and and I noticed uh, we were probably both at the same point, but you've you've gotten a lot farther than I have in the short amount of time. We're just ready to launch just about now. So awesome, yeah. You were saying in October you're going to be launching your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not a podcast. It's a, it's a basically a training website. So uh, awesome. um, I'm a painting contractor, and yeah. uh, we felt that uh, um, some of the trials and things that I went through that we could uh, train somebody um, else to do it in a niche market, and that's yeah. uh, that's what we're working towards. So it's training up new painting companies. Yeah, it, that's basically it. Um, the the twist is it that um, we realized that um, I've had many many concussions and um, mental illness in our family, and uh, so that was a journey of itself. And back in my day, you never really considered that to be a big deal. Like just suck it up and Isn't and so that the truth. Yeah, but if you're looking at it from a dad's perspective, I guess my dad would be looking at it as, well, buddy, you're like 21 you're 24, you're 26, and you're not really getting your crap together. So I mean, these things that uh, um, um, people endure or grow through, they they get get it through uh, um, feedback from their parents and their families and stuff like that. And you know whether or not you're you're producing or not. So... So my story is quite uh, unique, and I never would have known it if I hadn't uh, um, gone through it with my own son. So, so what was it that you were going through with your son that gave you revelation into your story? Yeah, so the start of my story is actually halfway through everything, is when my son um, was a good little hockey player, and um, they keep putting you against bigger and bigger players and stuff like that, and he never hadn't grown yet. Yeah. So um, when he got his third concussion... Um, before that, school was good, seven, eight times on the ice, two, uh, two workout schedules, point a game, you know, everything looked good. The grades were up, um, sleeping, eating like a horse, and everything was going quite well. Um, and then that third concussion hit, and everyone complains, like, the, the actually, the, the third concussion was in hockey, but the first two were on the school grounds. And yeah. so you can get, um, that broadened my mind, um, that you can get these things anyway, anywhere, and a lot of them, um, believe it or not, are vehicular accidents that yeah. people don't really understand uh, the size and scope of the problem. But uh, anyway, so he he got his third concussion, and uh, we started noticing things slipping, and he couldn't keep up and 
could manage and cope and function. Yeah. I, um, I, I know the world of concussions, not that I've ever been diagnosed. And I think it's, it's very difficult for them to diagnose cu- concussions properly because of what I understand, they need a baseline. Yeah. I mean, we, we know, but like to scientifically say, you know, you're here and then now you're here. Yeah. What does that mean? Or how do we measure that? And there's some companies, um, uh, White Collar Boxing and Cody, I can't remember his last name. It'll come to me in a second. Eric, you want to look up white collar boxing in Airdrie? It's Cody Cody Thompson. Anyways, he is running a program um, where they're going to baseline kids. So he's trying to get it yeah. into every school and every yeah. sport across Canada so that, you know, at 10 or 11 years old and once a year, you'll do a baseline to find out where you are and see yeah. whether your intellect, your ability to comprehend, all those are gaining or losing or what it is. Because that's the best way to determine real concussions from what I understand. Yeah, and and I think the the baseline is a good thing to do. Um, but uh, my son was introduced to that through the University of Calgary, where they started doing some baseline concussion testing and stuff. But what we found was that the doctors, at, even at the children's hospital, um, like you said, they're getting stuff that's twelve years old and proven scientifically, and everything's perfect and all that kind of stuff. Well. Um, in my case, I was 26 years old and crashed and in the hospital. And you don't, um, all these things that go along with brain injuries and mental illness, they don't, uh, um, they don't take into account a lot of the, um, income that you need to earn to, um, look after yourself. And we have pre prepaid healthcare in Canada, but, uh, you and I both know that, uh, sometimes, uh, you don't get the attention and care you need, um, although it's it's the best by far than any other system. Um, it still has its uh, ups and downs. So you really still have to be your own advocate here in Canada. That's right. Um, that uh, you have to do a little research, and doctors are people too. You know, they they did their medical schooling, but they make mistakes. They forget. Some graduate with a C. Some graduate with an A. Yeah. Um, some have a real passion for it. Some don't. And you know, it's it's difficult to find a good doctor, and it's a good. Especially with concussions, how do you be a good um, advocate for yourself, right? If you um, have uh, a mental deficiency or an emotional deficiency due to the concussion, and, it's difficult. And they find that even the doctors, if you look at it from their perspective, um, or in the case of an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist, um, the, it, it's worse than you can imagine because once you get into these situations, the door opens up and the first person comes in right when you're graduated from OT or doctor or medical school and it, the door doesn't shut like the, the volume of people coming from vehicular accidents or kids playing sports. Now I, I, we, we would love to slam the game of hockey, but let's, let's talk about soccer or, uh, or horseback riding. How about long distance bike riding? Yeah. Like people are getting CTE from Tour de France. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it, my, my cousin got to the Ironman and, um, wiped out and, years of recovery and stuff like that and and we and we talk about the body recovery but the concussions alone um i mean I'll, we'll go into it later about the size and scope of the of the of everything but uh yeah. it's uh well, um, let, let's start with your accident because yeah. uh, I'd probably have about twenty to share. <laughs> but <laughs> well, uh, we'll uh, we'll not get in a pissing contest that's over right, this. Over but uh, well, I definitely know where you're coming from. I, I would like to say this part. Um, one of the reasons that maybe they talk about stigma and stuff with mental illness and concussions, and and I find it. Um, 
Uh, I don't think that that's actually the issue. I think that someone that you're talking to across the table may have had worse or more mm-hmm. injury, injurious issues. And then so they could have in- experienced so many things. So it's not the fact that um, people don't want to hear it. It's just, I got my own stuff. I can't talk to you. That it's it's overwhelming it for almost everybody. And so when we're talking about these issues, they're affecting 80% of the families. Wow. I've been I've been trying to promote and talk to people about what we're we're creating right now, and uh, I've met one person, and she said, "We don't have that in our family. Nobody's got concussions. Yeah. Now she's got a young family and stuff, but no one's got mental illness and stuff like that. Maybe they got heart disease or other th- issues, but uh, that that's only twenty percent. Everyone else has these issues, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every family is dealing with something, is struggling with something, and whether that's, right. that's due to accident, injury, genetics." Um, poverty. I mean, there's there's diseases that runs in every class of the world, right? That's right. And so, uh, yeah, we've all got stuff to deal with, including our doctors. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm lucky. I have a fantastic doctor here in town, and she's a real advocate for yeah. me. And and of course, my wife is a big advocate for me as well. And we're we're always looking out after each other. That's but awesome. But not everyone has that same background. That they, they go. One of the things that uh, I know you mentioned about. Um, Where's the notes? Uh, Dr. Karik, yes. uh, chiropractic neurology, he, he, the guy that healed Sidney Crosby. That's right. My chiropractor is a, is a phenomenal <clears throat> guy, and he talks about um, he got my body back in line, which helped got my mind back yeah. in, in line as well from uh, all the injuries that I'd suffered throughout the years doing martial arts and the yep. numerous car accidents. Yeah, martial arts alone. Concussion <laughs> <laughs> heaven. You know what the <laughs> thing that always amazes me, because I don't feel like I suffered. Like, yeah. I, I know I've had concussions. I got T-boned in an intersection. I went through the front windshield of a car twice. It's yeah. I was yeah. a stupid, stupid kid doing yeah, stupid, stupid things. Yeah. We didn't think about those things back in the day. No, get punched in the head while you're drinking and just drink more. <laughs> yeah. And like, I guarantee you alcohol isn't the answer for concussions. <laughs> I know that's I true. I know, I can get you through a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the thing is, though, that I don't feel like I suffered. Like, I, I know there were some things going on, but it wasn't horrific for me. It wasn't something that brought me down. And so like, I'd like to hear from your standpoint on how, how it affected you, because I don't know that anyone, any two stories are the same. So I graduated from high school with a matriculation diploma. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. Okay. So we, um, the higher you go up with all these education and stuff, they get bigger and longer acronyms and stuff. And so MBAs and all this stuff. Well, apparently in high school, when you graduate with a matriculation diploma, that's with all your high-end courses like Physics 30, Calculus and English 30 and all that stuff. And and yeah, it wasn't a great a great average at 67 or whatever it is, but I graduated with this matriculation diploma and uh, I had the attitude to go with it that I was um, smart as heck and, and I was going to kick ass. I was going to get my business degree and kick ass in the world and yeah. and that, that's all great and good but if you if you look at what left led up to getting into university and then flunking out of university so I was completely devastated my whole mental image of myself as this um butt kicking uh um degree Warrior degree of the world. degree toting uh yeah. <laughs> I'm the man kind of thing um kind of flew flew sideways and so um uh but when I flunked out at 21 um, you don't realize that uh, I, what was going on. Like I, I'm driving at, at 
after the car accidents and the trampolines and the moguls and the hockey fights and everything. And I'm having micro seizures and blackouts while I'm driving. Oh, wow. And so the doctor, the doc, I, I didn't even think back then to go to the doctor. So well, think about what was your, what year was this? This got to be 91. 91. Yeah. yeah. So if the, so until my son went through this with his three concussions and, and the journey that we had to find him suitable support. Now you, you talked about your doctor here. Well, Dr. Scarborough is, three levels deep from Dr. Carrick. And so he t- he's, it's a new subspecialty called chiropractic neurology. And I can see all the doctors laughing at it right now. But um, mm. A, if you think Sidney Crosby was a professional athlete who'd been going for um, many years of bangs and crushes. And, and the thing I want to point out is Sidney's a little bit, he might be as stocky as, as all get out, but he's, he's a little shorter and a little lighter than the other guys. And so he's got to be quick or he's going to get more concussions. And right. so, uh, um, Dr. Carrick fixed him. And then two or three years later, my son had his third one. We met Dr. Scarborough after searching for three years, um, to find suitable care. And Dr. Scarborough brings the neurology, um, if we ever go to court, because I'm upset at the regular system, then I'll tell you this much, that the, those files that um, Dr. Scarborough um, records absolutely everything and does neurology tests, um, and a lot of it has to come down to the eyes, so he can start to set trigger points. And so my son would go in there non-functioning, and then he could go skateboarding after. We're done with hockey, remember, because yeah. that's too aggressive, and so he'd go skateboarding, but obviously skateboarding's not any better, but, uh, at the same time you can control the time and the pace and the less accidents. But, uh, um, when I went through it, um, 91 by 94, 95, um, I was in complete psychosis and they call that a prodrome. Um, so. So what, what followed with this psychosis? I imagine that there's like emotional outbursts or is lack of control with, you know, whether you're sad or happy or mad or what, like you would just lose some of that uh, capacity to control your emotions. So I look back all the way to when I was 16 to 24, that whole age group, you're, you're not understanding that, um, your emotional responses are not the same as everybody else. Um, you're you're perceiving the world differently. Um, a lot of it is in pain. Um, you're you're a guy, so you're toughing it up a little bit. Not to say that the girls don't. In fact, I think the girls carry a heavier heavier weight because uh, um, of the lack of communication and stuff going on involved with it all. But uh, um, that time period um, until I crashed and was put in the hospital. Um, was was a dismal, dismal time period. And so going from university with all the courses and the stimulation and everything like that to a two-hour bus ride each way and a 10-hour day in a warehouse on a pallet, electric pallet jack, mm. um, the the spiraling starts to happen. And yeah. and I call it downward cycling. And uh, um, you'll, know, you'll know guys who take too many drugs or guys who get too many bangs on the head from martial arts and stuff like that. They start slipping from normal coping mechanisms and stuff like that. They, they start not to function and they, they, they live in a hazy world and a clouded world. And anyway, it's just started to cycle down. But when I crashed in the hospital, they do all the tests. There's no drugs in my system. My weight is down 30, 40, 50 pounds. Um, and I'm not, I'm not together. Like I'm in complete psychosis with voices in the head and delusions and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and once you get in the hospital, miraculously, they've got the best medication you can imagine. But I'll be honest with you, it was only approved the year before what they 
what they call it was antipsychotics is um, when I started taking them. And so um, now the hope is that, um, A, I stay married um, and uh, the medications work. So um, the families that would break up and the all these things that would go sideways and you'd get homelessness and addictions and mental illness on the streets and all these kind of things. Well, I think in the last, since I got sick in 95, we've made huge huge strides sure. towards looking after our community. And, and I would like to go a little farther once we get into the United Nations sustainable goals and objectives is that 25% is all brain related. Now you're going to have some people with physical disabilities as well. But like I said, once we get into the size and the scope of the thing with uh, uh, brain injuries and uh, mental illness combined or some often they're concurrent, right? Yeah. So you do have uh, um, a lot of both. But once you get into it, it's it's a massive, massive global problem. And I would, I would, if I was to stand at the UN podium and say, "Look, you're you're missing the boat. It's not just people who aren't trying. They're they're like ducks on the water. There's there's a quarter of the population on the planet that's just giving her trying yeah. to put it together and keep it together and pay their bills. But uh, um, it's not addiction issues. It's not these things. And so I. Re- Go ahead. It, it's a holistic <clears throat> view of everything, right? right? So it's not yeah. just hockey or car accidents. It could be food. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know about the southern draw from like Alabama at time. That, yeah. that, that's caused by uh, a ringworm in the foot. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that it sucked the nutrition out of the, their brain. And yep. so they got that slow talking yep. southern draw. And, and I'm not saying anything about people from the south, but everything in our environment affects us in one way or another. And so as a, as a person, you have to be, you know, even watching TV, if you're just feeding sitcoms into your life every day, it's going to do something to you, good or bad. Well, the fall of Rome was all lead pipes, right? They all had these (laughs) big orgies and sex parties because they were all losing their minds because they'd been using lead pipes for 10 and 20 years and then how do they soften all... the furs at the, the uh, <laughs> Hudson Bay fur trade right, right yeah. a little bit of mercury poisoning the <laughs> yeah. mad hatter syndrome for everybody so exactly and it's then, just such broad broad and then, issues and then you look at genetics right like yeah. you're made of your mom and dad and yeah. your grandparents and and all that and so what happened to them to get uh that you're dealing with that they say genetically, we're dealing with issues six generations deep. That's, That's right. what they believe. So, so you get all the good looks, but there's nothing behind the, w- <laughs> no hamster in the wheel, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's the case. Yeah. Sometimes you don't get blessed with the looks and <laughs> yeah. just the hamsters. That's right. yeah. <laughs> that can happen. Yeah, like I, I think back to my <clears throat> teen years, I think teen years for most people are, are hard. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's not, um, not an easy time for anybody. We did a, a foster parenting course where we were looking at yeah. fostering. And uh, the lady that taught the course had fostered teenagers for like 20 years or 25 years. And she says, listen, really healthy teenagers will mimic uh, mental illness throughout their teens. Yeah. Like this is, you know, they're they're undernourished, they're underslapped, their hormones are raging, they're up, they're down, they're over, they're whatever. Yeah. And then, so it's a challenge. And then you put in bad food or concussions or lack of nutrition or or, SIDS or SIDS or lack of care or like, I mean, there's a thousand Sorry, not SIDS. Uh, What's the one where they have the, um, where the mom was drinking the... Alcohol, fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah. So fetal alcohol syndrome is, uh, um, it's a brain issue. It's not something related to the body, right? Necessarily, but... So with the the challenges that we have out there, we have to, you know, one, what you're doing, talk about it so people can um, realize that 
okay, maybe this isn't supposed to be this way. This isn't, I don't want to say normal. That seems like the wrong word to use. That that maybe what you're going through, you shouldn't have to go through. That's the key. A medication or a life change or uh, some mentoring that you can get so that you can move on to a a better place. Because obviously, whatever you went through, you seem like you're in a really good spot now. Yeah, so I'm 49 years old, and I would have to say that even two years ago, I wasn't quite back to... Um, capacity yet, but I had an idea here. It's almost it, 20 years. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, 20, 30 years, yeah. to, including everything. But uh, I would have to say that uh, um, I take medications every day. Um, I'm a number one advocate for listening to your doctor and taking those medications. And then uh, I also believe in uh, um, we have a different, way different lifestyle than <clears throat> what other people would consider normal is we don't, uh, we don't go out too much. We manage... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we, we manage a lot of our lifestyle on a low key, um, managing everyone in the household basis. And I, mm-hmm. I know moms are popular for doing that. It, it's a survival thing for us. So we have to do that. So I, I became a painting contractor out of desperation almost because my wife was an interior designer and she was going great guns at her career and we were stay, staying married, but I'd be sitting at the table and you've got, like I said, I wasn't, wasn't with a career. I wasn't producing. I wasn't um, growing the way I had wanted to. Yeah. Um, and so um, until, uh, so that 20 years, it was 2004 when I started painting and I became a painting contractor. And uh, me and my partner at the time, we had a, we had a tremendous um, ability to earn the money and have a great time and everything was going great. We'd pay out our, our wives the amount that they asked and uh, there were still some left over and it was it was tremendous. This, this was, was sorry, trem- obviously after a divorce or a separation. Oh no, no, we didn't we, we didn't get divorced. We were still oh, okay. um, we still stayed together. Oh no, the partner was a guy. So oh, okay. painting partner. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So him and I uh, um, were making money um, hand over fist and that what broke that relationship up was my inability to keep up to speed so I could um, do paint job after paint job, but mine had to be in a run. So I could do three or four in a row and then I needed a break. Yeah. And so he was like, no, we got work. We got work. We got to go. We got to do this. And um, so we broke up from too much work, not from uh, anything else. Yeah, but that uh, too. Um, but me and my wife, we stayed married. And uh, um, that's a difficult thing when you've got someone with brain injuries or mental illness. Mm-hmm. I use the term biome in my courses. Um, so... Uh, I, I painted for 15 years and then I'd done everything there is to do in brushing, rolling and spraying and, um, had a great lifestyle and my kids grew up and, um, we learned so much and he got his concussions and, um, what I would say that, uh, um, I started is called paintasafety.com. And so paintasafety.com is a training course that we're about to launch here. And, um, it takes into account all these issues from brain injuries and, um, concussions, PTSD, all the war veterans that have PTSD, um, the lack of income when you're going through these things is such a challenge. And you'll know as a drywaller that um, the trades are a tremendous opportunity for so many people, yeah. but you don't. the trades don't want everyone who can't function on a day-to-day basis as well. So yeah. there's, there's some accounting, um, kind of some basics that you have to manage so that you can get through some days of work and take breaks with others. So I can't operate, obviously, at the pace of 40 hours a week 
Um, but when I make my money, maybe I go on a run and maybe I do a whole house in two weeks and then take a break between that or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of adjustments, but that training opportunity, um, when we created painttosafety.com was to not only manage how to earn income through painting, but there will be other jobs that we line up through our courses eventually, but also the caregivers and the concept of retirement. Like, uh, how do you, how do you plan to retire <laughs> if you're disabled and right. and people people don't even understand that 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 so many people struggle with that and at the same time the I bet you the financial industry knows exactly who and what um, does and doesn't have to manage and deal with these things and so we uh, we're going to facilitate a course called financial peace by Dave Ramsey oh, lots of people have heard this but down in the states or, or not even the states, worldwide, yep. marketing companies and big corporations are like, how do we squeeze every penny out of somebody, right? Yeah. And through TV and radio and and uh, advertising, even on podcasts, that they're 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 trying to get your money there. So yeah. you you have to be. This is what I was talking about earlier. Your food, your exercise, your mental, your emotional, your spiritual health. You have to be focusing on it all the time, um, because there's people trying to you know, take it away from you, trying to get you in a spot where like, oh, you can't live without a new car every two years and <laughs> you have to have this new couch and you have to, you know, this is the mentality of the world, the keeping up with the Jones. It's just, it's not a safe place for most people to be in. Um, and then you add a mental illness or a sickness or an injury on top of that and it's even more difficult. And that's exactly what you're talking about is uh, not only is it not safe, it's uh, it's a financial hell. Like it it's, can be overwhelming for for a lot of people. And so when we talk paint to safety, um, if you've got that issue, um, you need an income. If you've got an income, um, you got two feet and a heartbeat and a job, then some girls will consider you interesting enough to, <laughs> to, 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 to hang in with. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, um, you need a relationship so that, um, you're not alone and, and without income and, and living in a hovel or living in your mom's basement. And, and a lot of guys don't understand that, um, uh, when you're going through all these stuff, it's not easy. Like the, I, I tried to tell my father-in-law even 20 years after, and we've been married. I said, it's not a straight line in our house. It's zigzagging. We have no idea what's going to happen every day. Yeah. So people ask us, Hey, you want to make plans for Friday? And you're like, sure, but we can't but promise it. Cancel, we, yeah. we don't know what we're going to be dealing with on any given day. And so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so it's a, it's a challenge. And, uh, um, but we've done it, so we've managed to do it, and so we started PaintToSafety.com. So you to have something to show the people that that's are, right, that that's are right. suffering out there. Yeah, so I, I think now's a good time to talk about the size and the scope of the issue. Is So um, annual global, global statistics, and this is a two-year-old study, they, they guesstimate. They don't even have a clear idea yet. Yeah. It's about um, 64 to 74 million, so we use 69 million annual traumatic brain injuries on the planet. 69 million, million out of 300, no, what is there? 7 billion people. But, yeah. but it gets worse. So those don't go away. So that's 69 million every year. So in 10 years, you've got 690 billion. Yeah. Now then with a co-occurrence of mental illness of 25%, you're adding in another, it's almost 2.1 or 2.4 billion. And, and I know my math is not correct in assessing this, but, but it, the numbers are so stupid here is once yeah. you get to the point is, um, you've got 2 billion out of seven with brain injuries or, or mental illness. And then you've got their families dealing with it. That's 80% of the families on the planet 
Wow. And so the United Nations ha- put out these sustainable development goals, and I'm reading through them, and just for a laugh, I, I said, okay, I'm going to just knock down, I'm going to put all the ones that I could solve with my paint-to-safety courses. Yeah. And 13 out of their 17 go- objectives, they they don't even, I don't even know where the, the whole scope of the problem is, or they do, and it's a big secret, I guess, and that's not what people would do, but you've basically got, brain injuries and mental illness, so biomes, faced with um, a, a two-sevenths two of the planet. Wow. Um, so it's it's a massive, massive thing. And so so a lot of these, you, you everyone laughs, you're looking at the overhead shot of the driving in India where you've got no traffic signs, no, and the car's just going every which way, right? Well, they're going over 30 kilometers an hour and they fall off the motorcycle or get hit in the car. It's a car accident. It's a, it's a concussionable event. So yeah. 30 kilometers an hour is not that fast. So you, you would have to think <clears throat> about this from both sides because you can't just have a let's treat the concussion or treat the mental illness because you have to be thinking about prevention. If, if you're getting well, 69 um, million incidents a year, yeah. we have to start thinking a little bit about prevention as well, well as treating who's already sick. I thought about that because my son was coming up and he was going through hockey and they said, uh, oh, we've got to follow the Quebec, which is no no, um, no, uh, no contact till mm-hmm. a little bit later. So the problem that was occurring is that Quebec would say no contact till later. So the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League wasn't getting as many NHLers. And so the U.S. was even was even was um, less less contact so, but here out here in Alberta it was like contact at 14 and so let's bring it let's uh, yeah. so in his um, with all the select teams that one year he had uh, more contact for equivalent to two years of stuff so I was confident that he could go out there and play at a high level and have this contact against bigger and faster kids and not not get injured and stuff like that but uh, um, I don't think, uh, prevention is the answer. Um, if you're if you're to look at, uh, um, I hate to bring this up, is the the cancer industry, and we could as everyone assumes you could have solved cancer a dozen times already, right? Yeah. But it it is such a massive industry right now that uh, um, I I bet they don't even want to solve it. Like so so you're you're in a size and scope of a situation that is so big that. Uh, um, to destroy that industry of vehicles or auto repairs alone for yeah. the vehicles. I don't think that's where I was going with the prevention because I don't think we can nerf the whole world, although I that's think there's right. lots of people trying right. to do that. But by prevention, it could be you know better brain health from, from youth, right? Wow. So you know, having good uh, fatty foods, having the right vitamins, making sure you're well hydrated. You know, How many teenagers are eating perfectly well for being in, a, in a, um, an athletic endeavor? That's right. It, it, it's not a great way to go into endeavor <clears throat> dehydrated or hungover that's or right. That's you right. know, and then we have to have ways of uh, testing to see how bad the injuries are, which I think so, we're getting closer. Yeah, at. So your prevention and my idea of just looking after it better afterwards is the same thing of what we're talking about. Yeah. So one of the guys, he's a big internet um, fad in the states, is Dr. Daniel Amen, and so Dr. Uh, um, amen for uh, people who are looking it up is he a great name and like this guy has more more stuff out there on brain health and he has a, a little course that's free um, you'd like to um, brain thrive under 25 or brain thrive by 25 our children 
um, for the girls, and everyone will love this. The girls are don't have their brains fully developed until they're twenty five, right? And so frontal the frontal cortex, the frontal cortex, and all that, and the boys not till twenty eight. Yeah. So when you're getting all this information, is like, okay, so what if they do drugs? Well, that'll damage that. The, right. And so, so um, Mr. Trudeau um, um, making marijuana legal for eighteen is absolutely a traumatic thing to this country. And you can ask any social worker who's had to deal with it for, for the last 25 years is it's it's probably not a good idea for someone under 28 who's a guy to be we, involved with alcohol and, and marijuana and stuff. We've talked about this at length, obviously. I've got young kids and yep. they're becoming teenagers <clears throat> and that um, I'm not necessarily for or against it, but yep. what I am uh, um, not for is for um, anyone too young to do it. Yeah. Right? Is when our brain is fully developed and we could handle that in a different way. You probably heard the, the David Harder podcast. I've had him on twice and he's a psychedelic uh, advocate. Yep. And, um, you know, he's, he's okay with cannabis and mushrooms and DMT and LSD and all that, but yep. in the right set and setting that it's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, you don't want to, if you have a massive brain injury, just to numb yourself with, yeah. with cannabis or um, to be going on psychedelic experiences that aren't guided or maybe not at all. Like everyone's a little bit different to say, you know, I have a, a young man that I know that thinks no one should ever be vaccinated, that they're, yeah. they're wrecking the world. I don't know if that's true or false, but what I do know is that I'm vaccinated and I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Right. Well, but I, I think it, the, for the vaccination, when you just show the pictures of all the people who have um, improved their lives versus the deaths that they had for everything before. And that's what you're looking at now is um, it's a pre and post and it's an educational situation yeah. where you got uh, um, everyone looking at um, the size and scope of dementia. So just take the kids to their grandparents that are going through dementia and Alzheimer's in the and the hospital and then and see if if they want to look after their brain a little better and and oh i'm smarter than my dad yes until you're 21 you're smarter than your dad but <laughs> then when you've got to earn your living too you can see if you are smarter actually right. can and you handle so, the stress and the pressure of every day <laughs> that's, getting that's up right. and, that's right making yeah. it work and uh paying the bills um to keep a roof over the head and the and the lifestyle too and so yeah. when you when you uh take into account that the kids don't develop their brain until a certain age um you doctor Amen has so many resources and books and stuff like that that um, I, I suggest everyone take a look at it. But uh, from paint2safety.com's perspective is once you're in that zone is, A, you need that education to know that staying your brain hydrated every day um, and taking vitamins isn't an option for you. It's These things are not only necessary, they're, they're going to make your lifestyle and quality of life um, almost normal. So, so taking medications from the doctor um, keeps the psychosis and the depression away or in my case I have schizoaffective which is psychosis mania and depression and so keeping that at bay um, so that I can function in a normal lifestyle um, and uh, so what kind of medications <clears throat> do they have you on they've they've got me on two um, so mine would be uh, risperidone which was the first of there's third and fourth generation antipsychotics now that are really good, um, and they're quite specific. Um, and then there's also um, an anti uh, mood stabilizer, which is Effexor. And so um, mine are just take them at bed night, bedtime, and and we'll function. I'll stay married. I can I can cope and function, and and she she can tell me, oh, you're just being a jerk today, or yeah. or look. 
I think we need to calm down for a couple of days or whatever. And I, I've seen uh, lots of people on like antipsychotics and antidepressants and um, you know all kinds of medications, and yep. and I think that you seem like it's dialed in really good. Like, um, you know, you can tell when doctors or when patients don't have things dialed in well. And, you know, I I have a friend that's been on antidepressants for five years, but they still can't get out of their place. That's right. Maybe the antidepressant isn't the right one or it's not the right answer. Or maybe you need to do it along with something else. Or like, there there can be much more going on than just the the pharmaceutical. and, And one of those components is if you can't earn a living, um, right. So that's that's where I'm talking about is you're sitting in your house for five years and then all of a sudden you da- dawns on you that they're going to take the house away in three payments if you don't get your, your butt moving. So um, we uh, have a workshop. It's the introductory workshop, getting off the couch, doing something. So even if you're spinning your wheels, we'll get you moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, committing to yourself again, which which is basically really difficult to do when someone's in an acute situation, be it psychosis or depression or all of the PTSDs and everything else that you can imagine is we need to get you off the couch. So we need to get you to do something. And then once you're doing something, it has to be something personal and focused and you can see a light at the end of the tunnel. And the reason we took, chose painting or a trade in particular is because um, there's a little bit of dealing with people. There's a little bit of uh, physical labor and um, the lab- the labor, the trade itself actually um, helps your brain recover. So that the the key secret sauce of the whole thing is exercise. So we in our so in true. our thing is talk about exercise. Well, um, they talk about walking on this bright side video that we have in our workshop, and it's a short, quick little. Um, walking is the best thing for you. Yes, but exercise when you've got a brain injury or mental illness is absolutely essential. So walking for 15 minutes is equivalent to one antidepressant. And we extrapolate that while six hours a day of painting with gentle exercise um, gives you something to focus on beside your illness. um, And it gives you some way to earn an income. And uh, um, Do do you know who Dr. Kelly Brogan is? I don't. So she's but I'm just, willing to learn. Yeah, she's fantastic. <laughs> it's 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 uh, right in line with what we were just saying. So yeah. she was a psychiatrist for many many years, and she had done therapies and giving pharmaceuticals to people. And what she realized that she wasn't getting the results that she wanted, and not neither were her oh, patients. Yes, I did see that podcast. So uh, I, saw it on, I want to know. so she decided to look at another mentorship program through another psychologist who used zero pharmaceuticals Ah. and they use a very strict program where um, uh, exercise is essential during the day getting a certain amount of sunshine during the day eating well and then ridding yourself of assholes so basically like you have to look at everyone in your life and who is well then (laughs) they're going to work on that too right we uh, because that's definitely a uh, uh, one of the questions that you have to go through is that am I the one beating me up the most? Yeah. Because I think there's people that do that oh, um, totally horribly. Yeah. That, uh, you know, we we did a health and wellness course, me and my wife uh, facilitated it here at our house for free to the community. And one of the things that we talked about was when you get up in the morning, what are the thoughts in your head, right? Go in front of the mirror yep. and stand there like Superman. Yeah. Stand there like Spider-Man or Iron Man. Be a superhero. Yeah. And say to yourself, I'm a good person. I like me. Yeah. And I know that sounds cheesy as all ghetto, but when you're not in a good place, 
and you're the one putting you there, this is one of the steps you can take to get out of that. And so um, Jordan Peterson, I hate to bring his name up because he's a local guy from around here, but <laughs> I guess he's gained some notoriety. He was mentioning on one of his videos that, uh, it, for example, with depression, if you get into such a dark place that you can't come out, yeah. he says, uh, um, my, my personal belief, Kurt, is that... Uh, um, not only do you throw the exercise, the nutrition, and the sleep, and everything together, but I mean the medical, 21st century medicine, I throw everything at what we have to right. deal with with this problem so that um, um, I might sound like I've got it all together, but after this um, podcast, I'm just, I'll be wiped, wiped. <laughs> yeah. So that emotions um, and being able to believe in yourself and the things you're going to accomplish beyond maybe just being a painter, um, which... Um, I have such a deep respect for trades and, and I thought, well, it can't be just painting. So we opened up the sheet from SATE, which is our local trades, trade school. And, uh, there's gotta be like 90 or a hundred different right. possible trades, yeah. um, that are there that don't have to be painting or drywalling or taping, but, uh, um, can provide a living in the meantime to make you stronger. So you can get back to that point where you're standing in the mirror saying, Hey man, I've done something. Right. I, I'm not. I'm not a total waste of skin. Look, I'm not that bad. Yeah. Uh, and and my wife, my wife seems to hang around with me, and and uh, and <laughs> my then kids talk to me. My kids talk to me <laughs> on an occasional basis when you got a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> but and so so you look at it from the point of view of everyone around you, and uh, um, you th- and and so then this, the the topic of suicide comes in, and addictions, and all these things, and you say, well. I, I'm such a worthless piece of skin. Why would I do? Why would I hang around here? Why am I going to do this? And so that's the depths at which right. people will get into with these thoughts and the and because their brain's not working properly. Right. And Dr. Amen and and the uh, sorry Dr. Kelly Brogan Brogan. Yeah. These people are starting to understand and they're starting to pivot. Yeah. Um, on what is critically important, and so you look cars great invention but before that everyone walked and i bet you we didn't have half the issues because we were getting our exercise we had no options right Right. so um yeah so it's yeah you know that that, that's one of those things that you got to again i'm going back to the holistic thought process on this right yeah when you get home from work are you sitting on the couch and watching sitcoms because they're going to feed you a type of information where you just want to sit on the couch and watch sitcoms right you don't see even the good looking people working out on a sitcom. Yeah. They didn't get there without working out, right? Yeah. There's some people genetically that can. Yeah. But this is all part of what's supposed to be going on in life. And our commutes are longer and our neighborhoods are more uh, secretive. So those are things that are um, taking you away from the things that you're supposed to be doing. But, you know, like you said, a 15-minute walk is the same as an SSRI. Um, you know, one dose of it, that, that that's pretty amazing. K- Dr. Kelly Broken said on the depression scale goes from one to 51. And if you have somebody at a 46, that's, that's on the edge. Like yeah. that, that's super, super dangerous. So clinical acute. Exactly. Real life stuff. You, you're going to need a pharmaceutical to bring you down. But yeah. she says at best, an emergency pharmaceutical in that situation will t- bring you down two, three, maybe four points. So you go from a 46 to a 42 best case scenario. That's good. You're off the ledge. You know, you're further away from the ledge, let's say. But 10 hours of sleep will take you down 10 points. Yeah. So now you're at a 36 instead of a 42. And you're like, well, that's, that's good news. Because 
It's free to walk. It can be done anywhere. And as long as people understand that that's part of my um, health, like if you go to your wife and you're like, I need to go for an hour-long walk, I bet you there's not a wife on the planet that's going to say, no, I think you need to stay here and sit on the couch with me. Yeah. Right? It's, it's yeah. never going to happen. Well, and that's why you get dogs. And then then, <laughs> then people crash at a 46, 47, and the pet doesn't get looked after. And then yeah. society's judging you because your dog's rangy, rangy and, um, and or your kids are rangy. And, and then if the wheels start to fall off the bus. So yeah. it, it is an absolute um, desperate management of um, coping and functioning. Managing pain, yeah. managing um, grief, um, all sorts of emotions and stuff. You know what I'm going to do? Epic. When this is over, I'm going to hook you up with Steve Critchley. Okay. Um, so he uh, is running uh, Camp Praxis, which is an organization where they treat uh, first responders and veterans with PTSD and traumatic brain injury. Yeah. They do it uh, through an equine therapy. So they use yeah, horses. Yeah. But some of the... Um, the procedures that they use away from the horses were amazing, even for me. And like I said, I'm not suffering. Like I, like everybody, I get depressed, I get anxious, I get mad, I yeah. get sad, I get every, all the emotions. I'm not like this amazing, upbeat all the time. That's just not true. Yeah. Um, but I don't suffer like other people do. Yeah. And the information that I got from Steve Critchley, they ran me through their course one weekend. Yeah. Um, and I got to do it with these soldiers and first responders, and it blew my mind. There's yeah. like... Just their goal is to get you to be able to communicate, and that would be a powerful tool to have when you have uh, a mental illness, yeah. is that if you had a few rules that you could follow so that you could communicate well with your wife or your doctor or your boss so that you didn't get fired, so that you um, didn't have to like quit your job because you're afraid to say what's really going on. That's These are right. like great, great tools. And I think, uh, I think that you probably take Steve for coffee and you would get some amazing to add to your program. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I think the, the, the key one that you mentioned there is, uh, um, some communication skills. Well, my kids absolutely hate it that we constantly ask me and my wife together, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> and, and so to us, it's checking in and seeing yeah. moment to moment at multiple times throughout the day, how you doing? Where are you at? Like, yeah. and, and so, um, I, do, do you share with them as well? So like, well, I know they've, they've, they've developed, um, awesome. mental illness. So we have no choice, but in our house, but to teach them the coping and functioning skills, that they're going to need yeah. to have a normal life. And uh, one of them is a relationship and communication skills. And it's yeah. especially with your significant other, your Im- immediate person, you need that. Right. And, I, and one reason I was asking that is a lot of times as parents, we, we tell our kids, oh, you need to be talking. And, yeah. and we don't, right? Like how many yeah. times does dad go, oh, I'm really sad today. <laughs> yeah. Right? And we should. When we're sad, we yeah. should communicate that uh, that we're sad, that, you know, our day didn't go so good or we lost a friend or whatever. And well, it allows someone else, maybe a younger son, to say, hey, if I'm not having a good day, I don't have to carry it and shut up. I can... Exactly. Or- we, we just had a big purchase and I'm not... I love spending money, but it stresses me out because it's not <laughs> my money, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we were, we were doing an $888 purchase and I was sitting in the store and I'm like, Eric, feel my chest. Yeah. Like it is pound... I am You're so sweating. anxious yeah. right now. Like, yeah. And we were excited about the purchase, but at the same time, it's nearly $1,000 of family money to was do Was it this. a TV? No, it was guns. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's add another element into that and go to the states with guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, we, and mental illness. Oh. Do not give me a gun. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like the that I don't think. I, and I don't know all the arguments behind this, but what's going on in the States right now with these mass shooters and the amount of murders down there, there has to be a significant amount of uh, mental illness um, linked to these. Do you, in some do you want to know how bad it is? So so um, let, let's let take uh, an example. So there's, uh, um, there's um, religious debate and people say it's a certain, certain group and stuff. And that is so far from the reality, the reality, um, if you want to read a CBC article on incels, so those are called involuntary celibates. Um, these are kids that are locked up in their basement playing violent video games. Um, and I am a big proponent of violent video games. I love them. (laughs) I think they're fun, but I'll tell you, um, when you get someone who's detaching from society because he's playing so much of that, um, and they're uh, and they're not meeting girlfriends, and they're not developing communications and social skills, and being part of their community. Um, they're separating into this online world that doesn't really exist, and they're getting no satisfaction from it. Um, that um, that that to me, um, a large proportion of the, of these issues are mental issues, and. Um, once those are involved and someone has access to guns and when I'm in a depression mode at 46 and you gave me a gun, that's probably not healthy that's a for recipe people. For disaster. That's a recipe for disaster. I think that there's some cave person dwelling deep inside of us and the, the thing that that cave person <clears throat> needed, we still need, right? Yeah. It's that face-to-face interaction. That's, that's that right. being able to... You know, you remember being Me. a teenager and wrestling with your buddies yeah. and maybe even punching each other. Yeah. Uh, these are a rite of passage that I think most of us yep. need and we're not going to get. It's it's a little bit of a nerfed up world. And if you fight, you're you're not a good person. And if you, you know, that's not true. I fight. I love fighting. I love punching my friends in the face and I love getting choked out by them. Like this well, is part the, of the inability to compete anymore is right. posing some problems. Yeah. And then the other thing is you're taking this, all the technology is taking away um, people's ability to even the moms, which... I need my mom. So if you're not in that place that you've been choked out and I'm so, I'm so sore, I need my mom. If you're not in that place anymore, it doesn't happen. So you're not getting the emotional connection that says your ability to crash and get comfort and get, get solace and stuff like that. So you're, you're leaving people for extended periods of times in, in mental um, situations that are not healthy. Yeah. I remember someone telling me, and, and quite honestly, like there was a lot of struggles in my upbringing as well and, yeah. and uh, alcoholism yeah. and, and, you know, absent parents and, yeah. you know, not getting good financial advice, like that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, all these things breed a certain type of person, which exactly. I was. But when I was probably about 30 years old, I had someone tell me that, what you need to do for kids, this is before I had kids, that, that you need to have five people. Yeah, absolutely. That's a grape, and that's like a Sprite type or uh, ginger ale. The grape tastes just like crushed grape. It's awesome. Um, that you need have a friend that's richer than you and one that's poorer than you. Oh, you exactly. need to have someone from another culture. You need to have someone that's older than you and someone that's younger than you. And he kind of listed like the, if you looked at relationships as a ball, like you needed everything from all the way around the ball, not just the label or where you put the pin in. That And I started thinking about that and I opened up my mind and I started just talking to people. Like I grew up, I would say, and I've said this before, probably fairly racist. Not 
evil hunt down people races, but really, really ignorant and uh, probably rude racist, maybe is the right way to put it. As you were raised in. That I was raised in and that I was. I was for sure. And as I got to know East Indian families or Filipino families or Chinese families or black families, then I was like, oh, hang on a second. They got same issues I do, or they got, and all of a sudden, my mindset started changing. Where I was like, I know nothing. Yeah, like I know nothing at all. Yeah, hence I want to know. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I spent a majority of my life not understanding what the world really was. Yeah, and now we can, and and I think this is coming back around to what you want to do for these people with mental illness. Yeah, show so. them that there's a. A much better world out there. Well, and I can't, I can't be discriminatory, right? I can't, I can't define based on age, gender, or race or religion. I can't. Um, there's so many people out there that are dealing with these issues that I'll tell you my personal opinion on racism is that uh, I'm of the of the thing that uh, um, I I like to crack a lot of jokes and I like to have a lot of fun, but I also like to uh, understand um, where everyone else is coming from. And I think that um, good friends who were of a different race could crack a couple of jokes and not take it personally. And so um, I'm of that bent that uh, um, that's when it's appropriate, not when you're sitting at a table with all of one race and making sinister, violent well, that that's Stuff. it, right? Like, what's the motive behind it? Because there's some comedians that's that right. do a fantastic job of well, telling. Aren't they jokes. the greatest at educating us? Well, that's that's <laughs> it, right? Uh, Russell Peters comes to yeah, mind, and there's a guy an awesome that does. He's from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> how many how many uh, racist jokes, or how how many people would be strung up yeah. for saying the stuff that <laughs> yeah. he says? But he yeah. has this this way of doing it where you know it's ingested and in love and in care, and yeah. you know we all you know my buddies make fun of me because my wife gives me an allowance. I make fun of my friends for being overweight or <laughs> yeah. not having any hair. Or <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- this is part of the the, the regular jocularity. Yeah. yeah, we need to have that inside of our lives. One, yeah. to keep us humble. Yes. Right? The, um, uh, two, that we can do that to someone else and help them be humble. And without humility, men won't stay married. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That could you couldn't have said a more true statement. Than <laughs> well, that. then you got gender and yeah. everything else in there. I, I've said this before on the show. I remember one time having to argue with my wife, and I I called her crazy. I'm like, you know, you're crazy, right? And she just she got very very calm and looked at me, and she goes, you know, you're crazy too, right? And I went, <laughs> oh, she probably thinks I am crazy. <laughs> I'm the only one with papers to prove it. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been tested yet, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one can tell me that it's true for sure. <laughs> So tell us a little bit more about how the program is going to work for people. Okay, so um, we don't know where everyone's coming from, so we've got the introductory workshop to give them a roundabout kind of quick uh, understanding of what we're what we're teaching. And so then we got basic skills, which is when you start to paint, we need you to know how to paint one bedroom. And so painting for therapy is um, the, our basic skills course. Yeah. And so that, that will teach you how to paint a, uh, one bedroom. And then when you, uh, learn how to do that, um, you can go on to the paid pro painter, which, um, will teach you how to paint for a few friends. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you're in that position where you're not quite ready to start a business or do whatever, but you have no other access to money, if you paint for a few friends, um, you'll start to get some strength and st- stability in your life and, and realize that, uh, 
the therapy portion, sometimes you just have to paint for free because you need to, you need to move, you need to use your body and yeah. get to a point where, Hey, my body's doing something and it's productive and it's effective. Um, so get, and, and how much is it good for your ego to someone say, Hey, that's a beautiful job. Well, and that's the thing is when you're selling tires, no one says, Hey, great job. Or <laughs> once you guys put the drywall up. <laughs> one mistake and you guys are crucified, but yeah. then you turn around and say, oh, the paint job, that that makes everybody else look good, right? That's so that's right. the design. <laughs> and so so with my wife being a designer, one of the um, things that we offered was uh, a color consult. And so um, 95% of the whole project is the colors. It has nothing to do with anybody. Yeah. Can put, like you put the two coats of paint on the wall and uh, tidy it up and um, it's the colors and the placement. And so, um, the effect that has on mood and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and you get the kudos for that. So I think that's a critical thing that, um, people who get, um, put out from, uh, mental illness and brain injuries, they, they don't get a lot of pats on the back. Right. And so if you take your time and, uh, do a good job on two coats on one bedroom, Maybe it's just a kid's room, but you know what? Once we put the handprints on the wall in red, bright red, and the parents had that forever until the kid was 16 and they repainted the room again, or we had the, um, and the kid um, could get up every morning and watch his hands grow. And anyway, the designed room, yeah, it's a little fancier, or the flames room or whatever. So. Yeah. No, I, I love that idea of giving place a uh, person a place to accomplish something. That's Joe right. Rogan says it all the time. I think I said probably in the last three podcasts, is that once you learn to succeed at one thing, now you know you can be successful. Yes. So the next thing becomes a little bit easier and a little bit easier, even if it's something as simple as, you know, cutting and rolling a room. That, that's right. That's a, that, that's a great tr- uh, skill to have. And when you're good at it, you can make a living at it. And all that's of a right. sudden your world starts changing a little bit. So so one of the things is you, you mentioned cutting. Well, um, if you're focused on a detail-oriented activity, um, that's something that could possibly, and I'm not a doctor, but could start rebuilding the neural pathways with uh, what we've learned is neuroplasticity, um, is brain rehab is a thing. And so um, once you're at a certain stage, you're getting stronger. And the problem with these things is they take forever. So I mentioned that the same 69 million after 10 years, it's 690 million with um, people with uh, um, an issue now. The people who were in the first year maybe have started to brain rehab, but you can't brain rehab and go to the use resources that are on the system all the time. You have to develop your own um, coping and functioning mechanisms and going for a walk doesn't pay the bills. So once you're right. capable of, of earning a living at painting um, and we the, like, you got to understand my dad said, came to me one day and says, do you realize how much there is to paint? One guy gets paid $20,000 to hop in a, an in at a shop site um, with a full bodysuit and make $20,000 spraying out the insides of uh, sewers before they get installed. Mm-hmm. And so the the bridges, sewers, um, um, houses, buildings, it, it, lines floor, on the road, ceilings, cars. lines on the road, parking lots, it's just absolutely endless. And so the, the, the trade itself has so many subcategories and stuff that I'm sure we could between the trades themselves and the subcategories in painting, we could find something for everybody that they'd be willing to do. Yeah. So we talk about that in our courses. I don't want to. Like, mm. I'm so frustrated with my life, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. So so would you try this? Would you try this? Would you try this? <clears throat> so you have to be f- flexible enough to say, I got, I will do something. 
Um, and once we got that, then we we follow into our next two courses. So um, basic skills for painting for therapy and then paid pro is painting for a little bit of income gets you to a point where maybe you want to do this for a living. And so um, the third course is painting contractor. And that takes you from getting your license at the city um, and uh, maybe a bit of insurance and some software and some tools and actually kicking the cat at this yeah. and doing really well. And then our fourth course, uh, so paint or painting contractor teaches absolutely everything there is to know about what I did and how you can take on painting offices for the rest of your life and be happy with it. Um, but then, then other people have b- bigger dreams and that's one of the biggest things they get frustrated at is my dreams are taken away. My goals, my objectives, what I wanted to do with my life and travel the world and do all these things. Well, that comes back. So you yeah. finally have a little bit of strength and stability in your life and life is 90% maintenance. So you're keeping up, you're, yeah. you're doing it, you're functioning, you're coping again. And so taking a class to, towards what you wanted to, um, once it was all taken away, it's kind of like a fre- everything's fresh and new again. Yeah. So you're 49 years old and thinking, well, what am I going to do? I don't want to paint anymore. So you look, go through the job ads and everything. And then you think, well, that's not a great idea. That's not a great idea. I don't want to drive a water truck. I don't want to do things that I, I may have already done when I was younger. So now it's the life transition and you think it's time to teach. It's right. time to teach everyone what I've gone through. And all I've got is my story, but I can tell you how I coped and functioned every day to get up and, and go and paint for six hours and come home and relax and and go watch my son play hockey. It, it's the circle of life, right? Like the, right. The, if you think back to tribal times as a, as a kid, you get a bit of a free reign and played some games and did whatever. And as you were transitioning into manhood, you became a hunter or a fisher, or, you know, whatever it was inside the tribe. And as you became the best warrior, the best hunter, you would Painter. pass painter you would pass that down <laughs> to the next tray or to the next generation coming that's right. up right that's right and i think that people and as you're telling the story about all the different courses i'm just imagining you're you know you're in your mom's basement taking the first one yeah and by the time you take the second one you're starting to get paid you're looking for a little apartment or yeah. a basement suite of your own exactly and then by the time you're at the contracting one that maybe you're going to purchase a house yeah or, or at least rent a house and yeah. and move into a place with a garage and you know you you just slowly work on these life skills going forward yeah and i think that or so get or get into a legacy position oh. so now we're sandwiched we're looking going to be looking after our parents in a few years and right and we got the kids growing up going to university and graduating and getting married and yeah no I, I i love the idea um what is that company college painter or pa- um college pro painters yeah like yeah. it it's not the exact same thing because they're just trying to give uh, um, college kids some summer money and stuff like that. But they're well, also giving them a skill. All, all the little franchises that come out of that, funny enough, are um, ideally business students who want to learn how to manage. So so you've got basically three paths. You either get a profession, um, you start a business, or you become a manager. And so um, you climb that ladder um, inside your profession and stuff yeah. and become the manager and learn to manage people and that's an often overlooked um, way for people to earn money. So yeah, um, project I, I, management is one of those skills we teach in our... I, I got a little insecure as you were talking. I was thinking about my painting skills, and I'm like, I'm sitting in the room with a pro painter. And I started looking around going, yeah, yeah. Have, I, have I got all my lines cut good? Have I done a good job? So well, <laughs> let's, say, let's say you'd be number two on the wage scale. 
<laughs> Good thing I got my drywall skills. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you can make a, ra- a, cur- a curved wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I I love the idea of of giving people skills and and helping them move up. And maybe painting isn't their thing, but it gets them um, uh, to a point where they want to do something more. That's right. And they could go to Sate or to Nate, or you know, maybe they get into a, so, uh, an so apprenticeship you, program somewhere. You think you think when they're starting out, they can't they can't even think that they could ever work again, let alone um, do something that they want to do. And so, um, yeah, you might only be able to paint for two hours, do one room, four hours in on one day. But by the time you're proficient, you're doing it at a faster pace. And that's the same amount of time as you need to take a course. And so a lot of these people that when they're really um, just coming off of being acute, they, they think, oh, going back to school is a great idea. Well, let me you, just follow my story. I tried that. I, t- I went back. I took an Oracle database administration course where we did 10 and a half. Uh, we did three and a half years of university hours in 10 months. And so mm. um, I, I did it. I made it. I was first in my class out of five. Not a big deal. But um, I, I was an Oracle certified professional. And then we went to look for a job. And it was 200 resumes with no job. And so, um, wow. so people look at for solutions to their problems education is not the solution in the states 27 percent only find work in their field with their degree so um if that's 27 percent, that's 73 percent who keep looking and keep trying something else and so um Do you know instead i just heard about the american education system yeah that there's people collecting their uh social security their old before age pension they're done their, their, before they're done paying their student loans oh, and so here here's the comedy of that is because i was ill before I went to to school, um, it was a retraining grant, and they paid thirty five thousand dollars, and I didn't get a job in that field. Wow. So, can you imagine the waste? And then we go back to industries. Industries don't have to be effective to make money, right? Right. So these, um, the cancer industry, the um, the education industry, and I'm I'm not going to fault anybody else's industry because the the construction industry that's got its own situations and issues, but you get into a, a spot where um, it doesn't have to be productive for the big people to make money. And if they're making money, they keep the industry going, whether it's realistic or not. Yeah. We uh, we deal with it a bit at work. Obviously, I have 20 guys underneath me, and, yeah. and uh, you see mental illness in some of them, and yeah. you see, you know, just difficult times for others and so we're we're trying to implement new things into their lives where we're inviting them to financial peace and to our yeah. uh, nutrition courses and stuff like that just to give them a heads up um, uh, or a, I guess a, a bit of a kickstart so that they can start moving in the right direction. We've got kids that come from families that were hardcore alcoholics and murderers yeah and uh, they've got a full-time job and they've got a girlfriend and a couple kids and you know that that's that's fantastic they've got there but that shouldn't be the 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 target that you're aiming for right no. one of the things i like to say is good is the worst enemy of great <clears throat> it's like oh it's good it's okay yeah. it's okay it's okay no why aren't you shooting for like, yeah. you know, Eric asked me what's the goal with the podcast. I'm like, to knock Joe Rogan off of first place. And not that I dislike <laughs> Joe Rogan at all. And we're a long ways away from doing that. You got better hair. <laughs> got better hair. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, the, you know, why are you just satisfied? And I am satisfied. Like, I love the fact that I get to meet people like you and, and, um, 
uh, Emmy Bjorn and and you know Robin Black and all these super cool Bob comics. Wilkie. Bob Wilkie was awesome. Um, that uh, that's awesome. Like if I only just did that, yeah. just got to beat those people, this would be awesome. But if well, I, you're reaching a lot of people, I love it. I yeah, I'm I'm super excited. But why would you just be satisfied with the couch in the basement playing yeah. the video games? Right? Yeah. There's something better. Well, um, and. And that's the opportunity of the technology is the internet of things. And so I'm like, what are these things that they keep talking about? What is this internet of things? And so um, the the podcast becomes an asset that you can um, use to grow um, and get. And uh, I, don't, I don't think we're in the competition level of the video game things that they have on YouTube, <laughs> yeah, the I podcasts know. on those. But I mean, they're getting 10 million views in a short amount of time. But it's at the insane. same time, the, the content and the value that you're delivering. And so the assets of in our courses that we'll be delivering at paint2safety.com, I think um, I was concerned when I started this idea and I talked to the coach and she, the business coach and she said, you have to own your niche. Yeah. You have to, you have to own the zone that you're in and just own it. So, um, once you do that, then those are business skills. And so if you're talking about financials, if just think about the effect on someone's life, if they're setting 10% away, um, that's 10% less for beer that week. Right. So their life improves drastically from one thing <laughs> yeah. that affects so many other things, right? And so I think I think you're absolutely right. What, what I love about <clears throat> what I'm doing and meeting you is that I'm at the beginning, like Crystal Boys. Yeah. You know, she's at the beginning, and I know in you know, three months I'm going to talk to Crystal and she's going to talk about the opening of the, the shelter here in Airdrie. And, yeah. And in three months, you're going to tell me about the, the first people that had come through your course. And, yeah, yeah. You know, that this is what I'm excited about that, you know, right now we're, we're not overly well-known people. No. Um, but as you start growing and as I start growing, we yep. can bring this um, to the people and we can watch successes come true. It Just like with your program, you're going to watch people come from being stuck on a couch to um, to maybe running a successful business or to starting a family or buying a house. Like there's the, the possibilities are just endless. So just from a painter's perspective, listening to podcasts, um, you can't do this in a lot of jobs, but when you're in a painting, painting in a room, um, you throw on some podcasts. You don't just throw the music on anymore. Right. So painters become the most politically, um, economically smart people on the planet because they're listening to um, the lives of all these other people right. while you're doing it. And I and I think that uh, exactly what you said. I when when you texted me, when you emailed me back and said, "Can you remind me who you were again?" I thought, "Oh, he's too big. I'm not going to be able to sneak <laughs> in there." <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I uh, no. I I. Because I like meeting people, like yeah. that's the thing. I, I mean, obviously, I got to make sure that it's safe for my household oh, and exactly. all that. Yeah. But um, I, I honestly just love meeting people. Um, I'm a here. painter, not a taper. Uh, you gotta <laughs> let me in. <laughs> my whole family's tapers. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For people that are listening, if you don't know, like there was this. But probably still is this ongoing battle between painters Trade. and tapers, yeah. right? That where you know drywallers do their job and painters get the credit, and crainer, painters are always like drywallers aren't doing it good enough. We got to yeah. touch up everything. So it's been a fight since. I remember being Eric's aide on job sites, <laughs> listening to painters complain about the tapers and vice yeah. versa. I'm like, seriously, guys. So the 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 joke is that um, you call the tapers. At least I'm not a taper 
whose dad was a truck driver, my brother's a truck driver, <laughs> and his mother's a, and and then it goes, it says worse, but <laughs> anyway, so the jokes just fly back and forth, and it's no, it's no, it's no different. So you have, if you're not in that mental state and capacity to be able to joke around or or laugh yeah. at laugh at um, electricians. Yeah. Because that's fun. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is that we all need to have a little humility for and, what we and, do and, and, and what comp- we do. But the, the truth is that if, if you've got a skill, if you're a painter or a drywaller or an electrician or, you know, uh, a cribber or a framer, you've got a skill and you yeah. should be proud of that skill. Um, you should be proud that, that you've learned something. You should be proud that you can get out there and do it on the days that you can and that you're earning a living. I used to even bash myself as a drywaller yeah. like oh, just a drywaller like I'm just a drywaller um, or just an insulator or I'm just this but the truth of the matter is I bought this house with my hands doing drywall yeah. you know I, I raised some kids I, I got a wife I <laughs> Eric's hands up um I was able to do that all as a trade and so it's nothing to shit on yeah um, you know well, the, and I, I I didn't know if I wanted to start it not for that reason, but by, uh, I apparently I'm a third generation painter. So my grandfather, um, in New Brunswick in a depressed economy painted and was a longshoreman in, in the winter. And then, um, my dad, um, painted for him who was his father-in-law. So there's a tenuous, I'm a third generation painter. Yeah. And so, um, these lines of people who come from, uh, degrees and MBAs and all this kind of stuff is media, what do they call an MBA? Mediocre, but <laughs> uh, anyway, but uh, well, you can ju- you can just carry this to the nth degree, right? right? And so I don't have respect for education. I don't have respect for money or power. I have respect for people who've suffered deeply um, with brain injuries or mental illness yeah. and overcome those things and become a survivor and thriver. And and that's a lot of what uh, um, you're talking about is it, it, um, hard work is hard work, no right. matter which what you're doing. I love the statement you just said, a uh, survivor and a thriver. That's like that, that's the, the key that we mm. need to go for, right? Is yeah. that it's not just about getting by. No. That's not what life is meant to be. You're meant to thrive. You, uh, one of the things you said on here, uh, that we could possibly talk about was Christianity. Yeah. And that's what God's word says for us. We're, we're, we're meant to thrive. We're meant for great things. Stay humble and get to work. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Do the work. That's right. So yeah, I I completely agree. I'm trying to go through the list here uh, quickly and see if I've missed anything. Uh, we've talked about uh, pain to safety, Doctor Carmack, the the chiropractor and neurology. I love that testing stuff. I've been messaging um, uh, neurologists and I haven't got anyone to get back to me. They're just not overly social maybe um, they're, they're so busy yeah they don't have time i know <laughs> even my um my gp uh, dr lv here in town um she's going to come on she's got a, a great foundation where she goes and helps uh, muslim women around the world yeah uh, a fantastic organization and for whatever i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head which i should i'll i'll post it um but trying to find time to bring her in and yeah yeah i've got another friend that's an emergency room doctor and she's like yeah if you want to do it at two o'clock in the morning i'll come in <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, i can't do that so yeah like it's uh what's that I could, yeah. You'd like to be up at two o'clock in the morning on a on a computer, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's there's so many things that I want to know that I think that my guests, like you, tell me about 
podcasts that you've heard that have inspired you. I have a friend that's uh, um, a sound engineer that I told you, and he's yep. in a band, and I brought on Ryan McMahon, and he's like, he does all these uh, living room concerts, and he's oh, like, yeah. oh, I never even thought about doing that. I could be throwing concerts all summer long in yeah. people's <laughs> living rooms or backyards. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yes, you could. So um, <laughs> this is a great um, a great medium for getting it out to everybody. Oh, yeah. It's, I think I, so we launch October 6th, I yeah. think, around that time. Um, and we'll have some specials, promos, and contests. You can check all the on LinkedIn or, or Facebook for paintosafety.com. That's what I was going to ask you. Are you guys a nonprofit? Um, so we are classified as a social enterprise. Okay. So even though we're for profit, um, we're like a painting business. We're, um, I don't think we're going to make millions and billions of dollars because someone might take that away. But uh, um, we will... Uh, um, we have a dual objective. So from the fiduciary um, solid, we've got to make a profit. Yeah, that's important, I guess. But uh, the more important thing is to uh, the social enterprise aspect is reaching those people and uh, changing some lives to give people a chance to get back to a spot where they can chase their dreams again. Well, I and I don't know what the benefit is. I'm guessing with a nonprofit, you can get some government grants and stuff like that, and but you probably can as well as, as a regular business. Probably a little bit more we, difficult. We'll that there is grants that we can apply for, but they. I noticed there's a, a wonderful thing called Grant Connect, and so it lists mm. all the um, ones that will apply to your area, not only your area of expertise, but your locality. And so you can obtain grants from the Gates Foundation or whatever. Anyway, that's on Grant Connect. And so there's thousands and thousands of different types of grants. And you you may have to find someone through your social media to um, help you write those grants and do those things. Um, That'll become probably a 10 to 30 percent avenue for our income but the largest portion will be through professional caregivers who will refer people to us who think they are at that stage where they might be able to um, try us for a living or they need to need to need to make that effort yeah Uh, maybe before we go we'll just uh, talk about where you're at now um, and where your son is at and how your healing process is going oh okay so my son is a tremendous um, example he was he was a tremendous as a as a little kid, and now he does not have his high school education yet. Um, he knows more about sound engineering than most of the courses that he would have taken. Um, so he will be, I think his objective is to go to Nelson and take the sound engineering course from uh, um, Selkirk College, I think it's called. Okay. And... Uh, um, get in that industry and then uh, put in his time for the next few years. But he's, as far as putting in time, the, the house is like a, um, a turnstile. There's kids from every walk of life coming in there with a guitar or a, a rap oh, song. And, and so he helps write them and produce them and, and do all the stuff. And then he also does the um, training. So his life is busy, full. I was just talking to him today. I says, we've reached a balance a place where everything's good and my wife is the breadwinner in our family and doing really good and I'm semi-retired as a painter um, until painttosafety.com gets off the ground and my teenage daughter is uh, she's having fun in grade 11 so (laughs) (laughs) coming near to graduation one more a couple more years left so that's where we're at and then my parents are getting older and and my wife's parents so um, our focus on our Long weekends is to boot out to see her parents or have dinner with my parents. And then, uh, um, so we've reached a stabilized area in our, 
in our life. And so, um, yeah, I'm ready to launch and then we'll be making more courses as we go. And, uh, um, seeing if we can help some people. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited for what you guys are doing and where it's going to go. Uh, maybe three or four months, you come back on again and give Definitely. us some good news. Yeah. We'll make sure we post all the links. So uh, paintforsafety.com. Yeah. Um, Paint2safety.com. Paint uh, and I'm sure they can find you on Facebook and yep. Instagram. Um, we'll post those links when we put this up, and it should be right around October 6th. I haven't looked at the calendar That'd yet, but you're yeah. third in line, awesome. so it should be lining up, and uh, we'll allow you to share it on social yeah. media and all that. That'd be fantastic. We need you to make more podcasts so we can listen while we're painting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they'll, they'll be coming fast and furious now. So, uh, um, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Go check out Paint to Safety. Uh, we'll put all the links in our social media. Eric, you want to run the outro? Hey everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over.